Hey guys, what's up? Um, so I am joined here by Dr. Nick Kyle. Um, uh, Nick, you and I have met, uh, have we met a couple of times or was it just the last, we've met a couple of times, uh, right? I think. We, we've been like indirectly in contact with each other a couple of times. Um, yeah. Man, the first time, the one that really stood out to me was uh, Symposium of 2017, maybe? Uh, I think uh, yeah, I think 17 or 18 was the first time what, I went. Whatever it was, yeah, 17, 17 or 18. 17. And like I was sitting, I was sitting in the back and you posed a question. And you're like, you know, I'm from West Virginia. I'm like, yes. All right. Yeah. Somebody else from West yeah. Virginia. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And I remember, I think um, you, you sent me a, a message or something on Instagram, like maybe like a month or two after that, like uh, say, just like kind of introducing yourself, like, Hey, I'm, I'm here. If you're ever up, if you're ever up North, I know you're down in Huntington. Like if you're ever up North, then like come say hi. Um, but yeah. And I thought that was really cool. I was like, Oh, nice. Awesome. Um, Cool. So just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, what your titles are, like sort of how'd you, how'd you end up where you are? Yeah. So, uh, you know, Dr. Nicholas Kyle, I am a physical therapist by practice and trade. Um, you know, went through a doctoral program for that. And then following that, I went through an orthopedic uh, clinical process. So it became an uh, orthopedic clinical specialist. Um, from there, I went into training to become a fellow for the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapist. And that is where, you know, Zanis and I developed this, this lifelong, uh, bromance that has just bloomed from that time. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you guys are, you guys are mentioned in the same sentences quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've, we've kind of intertangled ourselves quite a bit there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, so did the fellow training, went through that process, um, you know, but prior to that, like my, my prior life was working kind of blue collar jobs and, and I have a very blue collar background. Um, you know, I'm from West Virginia, uh, as you are, and I'm very proud of our state, very passionate about our state. Um, one of the things that is, is common within our area is coal mining. And, and so there's a lot of things adjunct to that. When I came out of college, I had no idea what I was doing in my life. And I took a job in a weld shop. And so I became a welder, metal That's tab really guy. Cool. Yeah, it was, it was a great background for me. It kind of pushed me to know what I didn't want to do and, and, and you know, uh, some of the things I do enjoy. But um, I injured my back while I was doing that. And so in the process of, of that, I kind of put two and two together and, and kind of started hunting down where I really wanted to be, what I wanted to make a career out of for my life. And that's how I kind of led into some of this PT stuff. Um, meanwhile, I go through all this training and I uh, did my fellow and all, and all this additional work. And I still moved like a, uh, like a human dumpster. And like, <laughs> I just, there's so much garbage quality to how I, how I moved. And I got really into distance running and, and that kind of thing because I wanted to be healthier and I wanted to be thinner and more fit and like this thing. Um, but uh, I, I never improved upon like that base level movement stuff. So I ended up kind of creating um, a much more narrowed channel for how I did things and, and yeah. you know, still continue with the back pain and some of those other issues that, that just kind of perpetuated from there. Yeah. Um, so then I, I got hooked up with Xanus and I started looking at, at some of the strength elements, got into CrossFit and, and weightlifting and some of those pieces and then got, got hooked up with the black, the power athlete guys and did my block one. And, mm -hmm. and it's been a few years now and just kind of working down that, that line, but really getting into the strength elements and figuring out where that fits within this whole paradigm of, of wellness and movement. And that's yeah. been, that's been a huge 
piece for me. Where, uh, where, like, so in your experience so far, like, just segueing off of that, like, where would you say it does fit? Like, what in in the hierarchy of like rehab, prehab, and staying pain free? Like, where does strength list? Does that make sense? I, I kind of lost you there. Can you can you that again? So, like, in the in like and so in the hierarchy of like being pain free, rehab, pain management, and like sort of just health, where do you think pain, uh, not pain, strength, kind of resides in that ladder? Like, where's it, where's it's a level of importance, do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know. That's a big, that's a big question too. I know. But <laughs> it definitely is. Um, you know, the, the thing that I would say is that, uh, you know, in, in this, in this realm of building upon capacity. So I, I talk about things a lot with, with in terms of what is your capacity for achieving XYZ task? Yeah. Um, when you build upon that fundamental capacity, more basic layered movements and tasks become much simpler. Yeah. And if you are inherently strong, then you can achieve lower level tasks much more simply efficiently. And that will carry across a spectrum of life. Now, you kind of layer two things in on that. Um, when we look at pain, pain is a very different conversation than strength because you can be incredibly strong and have a ton of pain. Um, and you can have no pain and be uh, pathetically weak. Um, the two are not necessarily, um, you know, opposites of each other. They don't necessarily repel or attract yeah. each other, but they certainly create complications for both. Yeah. And what would you say some of those complications are like sort of like that you see the most? Yeah. You know, um, definitely whenever we start looking at this pain spectrum, you know, pain can really be inhibitory to an individual for being able to participate within certain realms. So, you know, if I, you know, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. Um, I, uh, I had that long history of back pain. Um, mm -hmm. I, I went about eight years um, where I was kind of dealing with it off and on and, and the, the issues that resolved from that or the, the resulted of that. And I will still have days whenever I go to, to do something like a heavy deadlift where I'll get like a little of that pain sense memory and mm -hmm. I'll, I'll kind of, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take a step back. I'll kind of shut that down. Yeah. Um, whether that's intentional or not, like it, I don't like to think that it's an intentional thing. I like to, to believe that um, that is not a cognizant choice, choice that I'm making at that moment, yeah. but it's still there. And so it kind of sits in the background. So that pain memory is affecting how I go after uh, my overall strength and performance on certain movements and certain things. And I, you know, uh, injuries will compile. Like if you're an active individual, you're going to develop some type of an active based injury. And this is kind of like my, um, my common mantra that comes yeah. up is, you know, if you're active, you get active injuries. If you're passive or if you sit around, you just wait and you're stagnant, you develop diseases and you rot. And I would much rather have a few active base injuries uh, than to develop diseases that, that are much more limiting overall. Yeah. Um, which is, which is um, an interesting thing to see. Cause like I talk about, I talk about some, like a similar like idea. I've never phrased it like that, but a similar idea with like, like clients and stuff. I had a, I had a member at the gym I used to work at. He asked me one day, he had, he'd like, he'd done something to like his hamstring or something. Um, he just, he'd come in late, hadn't like gotten, gone through the proper warm up and like had like done something to his hamstring. Um, and then he got over that, kept moving. And he, he always talked about that hamstring, like bothering him. 
right? It was like, your movement looks good. It seems fine. And you don't talk about your hamstring every day. Like you only talk about it when we're squatting or pulling. And like, so we addressed that a little bit, but he eventually looked at me one day cause he was, he'd been feeling good. And he was like, and then he just like, he was just like, my shoulder hurts. And I'm like, okay. I was like, is it, is it, is it pain? Is it discomfort? Does it just feel uncomfortable? Like, does it feel tight? Like what, what are we talking? And he just, he was just like, he's just like, do you think like there's a way to exercise and not get injured? I, I said, I said, no, I said, I think that exercise is, is, is learning how to like, is like, it's hoping it pays off. Right. It's like, it's like, it's, it's training, you know, you're going to get dinged up a little bit and it's hoping that it pays off in the end. That's what a lot of training is. It's just trusting that you're going the right direction, that this is part of the process. Well, and I mean, there's, there's so much, uh, there's so much learning that occurs within that process, right? Yes. Like, if, if I always kind of go back and like look at somebody that I've worked with over an extended period of time on like day one, when we squat to like maybe a year or two years later and watching that individual squat, it's like, man, you finally seem to know where you're at. Like you're yeah. learning your body, you're learning this capacity for how you actually achieve things. Mm-hmm. And while there might be some, you know, aches, pains, things that will develop out of that, it doesn't have to be a long-term commitment to that pain. Yeah. One of the things I think is really fascinating, kind of tagging in with what you were saying there, uh, it's, it's interesting to look and discuss with somebody what their relationship is to that experience. Yeah. Because some people only identify themselves with an injury, right? Like they'll, they'll come in and then right off the bat, like, I, you know, oh, I, I herniated a disc. Like, oh, okay, well, tell me about it. Like, when did that happen? Like, oh, well, 15 years ago, I did this. And it's like, ah, man, I don't know if that's still the problem right? Yeah. Like yeah. You've, you've entwined yourself into this diagnosis code or, that you've, you've uh, been given and you hang on to that, whether that's intentional, whether that's because you, you um, develop a relationship with that pain that you become synonymous with it, that, you know, I'm, this is me and I have a herniated disc, or you have fear associated with that diagnosis that you were given because it was never properly managed. And I think yeah. that fear drives so much more of that than just about anything else. Oh yeah. Like I remember my, my, um, my relationship with my injuries is entirely different after working with Xanus and sort of learning the things that I did through that process. Um, but I also know that before that, like it was also known, like my, my two titles were that Chris was pretty strong. Like I was a strong guy, but I also had a really fucked up knee. Those were like sort of the two things that like people in the gym space would like know about me. It's like he, he's strong and he, but he's got a fucked up knee. Because it was, it was a huge part of my identity. It was a huge part of my identity because I just had this emotional attachment to it and like this emotional investment in it because I hurt my knee when I was a kid, right? When I was like really young. So I had just, I had just developed this, like my knee was just in debilitating pain most days of the week and I just got used to it. But it was still a thing that once I got into physical activity, I had to like, and I had coaches, I had to, I had to tell them because I was like, I, I cannot do this. Like I physically can't do this. Um, but even then, like you, you mentioned earlier, like you're like, uh, like, uh, like movements just kind of clicking after a certain point, like going through that process with Xanus, like my squat looks entirely different than it used to. Right. And it's probably the third iteration of my squat looking different, but it's the only iteration that has not involved pain. Right. Well, so how did you develop that first squat? Because that's, that's the thing that, that uh, we kind of, we started to talk about this prior to, um, mm-hmm. prior to recording, but like, what I tend to see with people is that they, um, we choose a source that we decide or yeah. we deem as being the most 
uh, hierarchically sound that, that carries the most impact to what we're going to choose to do. Yep. And like, man, if I watch, like I always go back to Eddie Hall because I'm just blown away by this 500 kilo deadlift. But yeah. like, if I tried to deadlift like Eddie Hall, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, I, I will be, I will be a broken trash pile because yep. like, I just don't move the way that Eddie Hall moves. Yes. And so, um, you know, do, you know, my question to you would be, how did you develop that? And how do you determine where these iterations come from? So when I first started, like I wasn't a coach yet. I had just started, I had just started going to, uh, I had started CrossFit. Um, and it was one of those things like, and I, part of me, part of me gets it as a coach. Like there's a class, there's a class going on. There's 30, like if there's 30, 40 people, that can be really hard for that, like amount of specificity, but it's also like, but it's also not right. It's not hard. And also to hear that somebody has an injury or an issue to maybe just like pull them off to the side or have them come in separately and be like, we need to figure this out before I'm just throwing you on the squat rack. So what was happened was I was told, I, I was told like, you have to squat below parallel. This, the bar has to be at a certain place on your back. And I didn't know any better at this point. It's like the bar has to be at a certain place on your back. You got to squat below parallel, just get there. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So like, I would just, I would, I would make myself go below parallel. Um, and what would happen was it just turned into it. They turned into like the worst good mornings you've ever seen, right. like with like a bigger knee bend. And what I was told, and this was actually a moment I was, I think still not a coach. I think I was six months into CrossFit, but even I heard this and was like, that's not right. That's, there's no way that's right. Because what I was told by the coach there, that was that, it, that coached me consistently. He was like, that made us be a squat kid. And I was like, Nope. Fuck that. That's not real. <laughs> that's not, that's right. not real. Right. And I also, and I also knew like it was, it was twofold. It was like, I know that's not right because whatever, I'm a switched on dude. And I can think critically. I'm like, there's no way this is correct. I'm looking around the room at everybody else. squat. I'm like, there's no way the way I squat is that dramatically different. And also it's causing me severe pain. So how is this, how is this beneficial? Why is this okay? Um, it's, and it's like, I've always explained, it's like, it's not the same thing as pulling a 500 pound deadlift and you think your head's going to explode. Like that's, that's different. Cause people are like, that sounds uncomfortable. I'm like, it is uncomfortable, but it's not the same thing. as like, it feels like there's sandpaper wrapped around my knee joint as I squat. Right. Um, the second iteration of it was because after that I was like, cool, I guess I need to do something. So I started just kind of explore. And this is what got me deeper into like the idea of maybe I should, want to coach was like I just started exploring movement a little bit and just started looking and I started watching people squat um and I started not the best idea but I started trying to mimic it and I was like those are that's their movement mechanic that is how that person moves I'm going to try to move that way and what I found was I had a pretty shallow squat right I if I squatted to the point that it didn't hurt then I was like right at or like maybe like right below parallel Right. But it was not this ass to grass sort of like nonsense, as I called it back then. Um, the second iteration where that grew was that I got into Olympic lifting. So I put on Olympic lifting shoes and I noticed that I was a lot more quad that if I use my quads more, it helped my knee pain a little bit. Right. I moved the bar back up a little bit higher um, and I started having a narrower stance, toes turned out and just sort of thinking about it, everything like a back, like a front squat, like just push your knees apart, sit down. Right. That's how I thought about everything. Problem with that was when I was Olympic lifting, I was squat cleaning, full snatching, and also squatting all the time, right? So then it just became overuse because I still had an injury that I wasn't addressing. I was just finding ways around pain, right? 
So my squat got better at that point. And then it just got to the point it gradually just went downhill. Right. It just, it just gradually was like, I could squat less and less often. Um, I could move less and less weight. And it got to the point that it was just like, it just, everything hurt every single rep. It was, it didn't matter if it was a goblet squat or a barbell squat, what an air squat, every, every time I went near parallel with that movement, it hurt. Um, and then I went to, I tried to work on it. I, I did a lot of like Cal Dietz, like Hatfield squat stuff. Right. I, did, I started doing more because at this point I was like, I had like, I was, uh, I didn't have my block at this point actually. Um, but I was really deep in a power athlete. I found CrossFit football. Like I was doing Jack street and I'd done field strong a little bit. Um, and I just, I went to the, uh, that first symposium actually. And we did the squat. We did the, we did the squat at the clinical or at the, whatever it was, the practical, sorry. And, uh, and Luke came over and was watching me squat. And he was just like, man, he's like, there's just this disconnect between he's like between your hips and what he's like, you, you clearly are squatting and you know what you're supposed to be doing and you're trying to, he's like, but there's this disconnect at your hips. And I'm like, yeah, I've, I've never been able to fix it, but I'd also never been told that there was a disconnect at my hips. I had always myself and other coaches watching me had always just come back to, well, it's just your knee. Right. Um, so he recommended me to talk to, uh, uh, aunt Lo. Right. And I was like, okay, I found aunt Lo in the bar of that venue. And he, just had, <laughs> he, yeah, he gave me like an, uh, he gave me a movement assessment at, on the floor of the bar. Cause I was like, Hey man, like I'm about to drive back to West Virginia. I've been trying. I was like, I was like, I was just wondering, could I like email you or something? He's like, no, I'll just do it right now. And I was like, okay. Um, and he watched me squat. I think I did a total of 10 squats and like hinges and like, uh, like one other move. I can't remember what it was. And he's like, has anyone ever told you that you rotate at the trunk when you squat? And I was like, no. And he's like, do you have people watching you squat? And I was like, I have for years. And he's like, no. And he's like, all right, well, that's saying that look that he's like, to me, that says that's your, there's something up with your pelvis. And he was like, turn your toes out slightly and then do another one. And he immediately just like fixed the rotation problem. Right. But what he told me was like, he's like, that fixes that. He said, but I don't know. He's like, but I don't see you on a bit. It's like, I can't see you under load. Right. So then I got hooked up with Xanis and he just started watching me and he immediately went to his favorite thing. He just started working on my feet. Right. Started working on my hips and my feet. Um, because what also happened was I had really bad scoliosis. So I thought that was the source of my back pain too. Right. Cause I was, I developed really severe back pain. I couldn't, I couldn't stand up and coach an entire class. At some point I had to sit down. I would go into the bathroom between classes and like cry because it hurt. Um, and he just worked on my feet. And I, and he said, he said, if by the end of this, your back doesn't feel better, then we'll worry about your back. But he knew that it would. So he started working on my feet and just gradually went up the kinetic, like went up that kinetic chain and just everything got better. Right. It all cleans up, man. Like if you, yeah, man. Yeah. if you don't have control there, then, then you don't have control of anything else in your body. I mean, yeah. that, that's, that's yeah. the hands down process. Why did your squat get better whenever you put on Olympic shoes? All of a sudden you had less reliance on your foot yep. and more range of motion out of your ankle. I mean, yep. both of those things are going to be huge to allowing you to actually cycle through so much more uh, of that, that, you know, capacity that you were lacking, so to speak. It's interesting you say it that way, man. Like this, this idea of it, you know, whenever Luke pointed out to you that, um, you know, you had this disconnect at your yeah. hips. Yeah. Dude, like I, I can't even tell you the number of people that we see that, that I feel like that is the, this is the recurring theme. Like the, you've been told how many times um, I was talking with uh, uh, Brian Dunn mm -hmm. uh, last week and, 
and like that was like the 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 joke that we were kind of going back and forth with is this your glutes don't fire thing yeah right? like ah uh, man like so many people are getting these cues of like, oh, your, your glutes are weak or they don't fire or this doesn't fire or whatever it may be. When reality is, is maybe you just have no idea where you're at in space. Maybe you just don't yeah. know what's happening to your body. And yeah. you know, pain does that to us innately, whether we realize it or not, because we're a really interesting evolutionary animal, right? We yeah. will always trade quality for quantity of movement because that is how we have survived for, for the millennia. And it, you know, we will naturally take these small deviations or these small things and allow them to build up in process until they become this much more significant animal yeah. where you're, you're getting these crazy adaptations. You're getting the rotation in the spine, especially under loads and, and things mm -hmm. like that. So um, it's interesting. And then if we, if we break that all the way back down and Xanus has this foot thing, you know, his weirdness with that, but, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah. it's, it's a great starting point because even though like I treat as a very spine centric uh, model, like, you know, focused around, like if we deal with the spine, so much other stuff comes along with it. But the way that we deal with the spine is by addressing external factors such as that. So if yeah. you don't have control of your foot and you don't know where you're at in space, um, you, you know, how does your body know how to react to those things? For sure. And like bringing like through that experience, like bringing in everything that I have learned about feet now, um, into like the class setting has been really like kind of amazing to watch, like with like members and clients and like online clients, like the changes that they see in their squat and their movement, like just with a couple little things that I took away from, uh, my, like my rehab and movement therapy with him. Um, but it, it I, I always like what you said about, it's like chronic pain becomes, it's just, it's always there. So it becomes a part of every decision you make. Right. And like, and that doesn't change when you walk into the gym and that's a hard thing to explain to people. I'm like, man, like you're going to think about it still. Right. Like I went, I don't think I did. I didn't do any kind of jumping for like, when I got to CrossFit, I would make myself do it. And then I started missing jumps because I, it wasn't that my knee couldn't do it. It was just that it hurt to land and I knew it was going to hurt to land. So I didn't want to do it. So I was just blocking it out. So I just wouldn't jump. I was just like, why I can't jump on an 18 inch box. Like I cannot will myself to jump onto this box. And it's like, it's cause you just know it's going to hurt and you just don't want to do it. Like I wouldn't go on walks. I wouldn't go on walks with people. Like I wouldn't go on walks with a girlfriend or like, I just like, I can't, I know my knee's going to hurt. I'd go, I'd go out with my friends and I'd have to go to the bathroom. But I'm like, I know as soon as I start walking, I'm going to feel my knee. Right. It's always right there. It's like I dreaded squat day because no one, no one told me like, Hey, ease it back. Let's do this instead. Let's try this instead. It was just like, well, I guess it just hurts to squat. And, and also I, but I am, I will say the one thing that I, I get this from my mom. I am so fucking stubborn that, part of, <laughs> that, that, that I also don't accept stuff like that. I'm like, no, there's no way that's real. And what ended up happening with it, I was like, I don't know how to fix my pain but I'm really good at getting things stronger and getting people stronger. I said, I'm going to get everything around it stronger. Right. So it just became this whole, like, I'm getting my hamstrings, my quads, I'm getting my trunk as strong as I can. Right. So then like I, I got around and I continued to hit PRs cause I was getting around it. Cause I would just wrap my knees up and I'd be like, you know, you just have to do this five times. You can get through five reps of this, you know, your knees not going to blow out. And like, I didn't, I didn't, but I was like reasonable enough to know that that was just me scaring myself. Um, I'm like, so just get through it. Right. So it's like I stubborn and like it wasn't a great idea, but it just like I stubborn my way through a couple of years of training and getting stronger by just like breaking down the movement individually and being like, well, it hurts to do this. But what if I get this twice as strong? 
right? Not not the best idea in the world. Not a very good idea at all. I, I think in a in a practical sense, I think it's a lot better to address pain where it is if you can, right? Yeah. Yeah. But in like address movement, but it was like, but I was like, this is what I got right now. Like I wasn't making much money at the time. I could not have afforded like the services of like Xanus at the time. So I was just like, well, I do have access to a gym. So just do what you can there. <laughs> right. Oop, you with me? Yep. Yeah. It cut out there yeah. For I lost for a second. Lost for a second. Um, but yeah, does, so yeah, uh, it's, it's, you said something that triggered that, but like, yeah, chronic pain is just, it's always there and it affects every decision you make. And I, I hate seeing it with people. I feel so bad. Man, it's so strange because it infiltrates so much. Exactly. Like you said, you know, the, the, the big landmark moments to me that I can remember and I, dude, I know exactly what you're talking about because like, yeah. Oh, you know, I can't, I can't do X, Y, Z because that's going to hurt. And I remember being, um, being in PT school and one of the guys that I was in school with, um, did a lot of lifting and stuff like that. And I was like, I'd like, yeah, I'd like to do that, but, but there's no way I can deadlift. I can't, I can't yeah. do that because it, yeah. I know I, I can't. I remember waking up one day and laying on my stomach, which was like this really like, that was the worst position possible for me. It was so painful to be on my stomach. Yeah. And I remember after I had figured a few things out and kind of starting to really just stop ignoring what was going on and try to deal with it. Um, I woke up on my stomach one day and I was just like, I was like, you know, I just, I was comfortable. I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, that's cool. And then I'm like, dude, I slept on my stomach last night. Like, yeah. That, that just didn't happen ever. And so like, it was this huge moment. I can remember that very vividly in my head of like waking up and, and it, I wasn't, I wasn't miserable at that time. And like, it was almost like flipping the switch of like, what else can I do now? Yeah. What, what, what is the possibilities to, to this thing. And so yeah. that was a, that was a really cool time. I, re, I remember that very, very vividly, but I also know that there are people that have chronic pain conditions that they, they live their life in that same way that yeah. it, like you said, every decision you make is laced in with, well, can I, you know, uh, my foot hurts. I don't know if I can do this or that, yeah. or uh, man, if you have no hope and you have no drive to make that change that's that's a really sad situation to be in and that's it's a very um emotionally laden situation to be in and like yeah. that's one of those things that we have to do as as coaches providers that we have to create an awareness and understanding for that individual that we respect what's going on with them but at the same time that that when they're ready to change that narrative that there are things that are possible there's things that you can do with it yeah. And that's, that's a, a, a huge, huge step forward for somebody whenever they can, they can make those types of, of changes for themselves. Oh, absolutely. And I, I remember, I remember like literally being brought to tears the first time I realized I'd gone through an entire day and my knee hadn't hurt, but my knee and my back hadn't hurt. I remember, I remember like just like crying at dinner with like my friend and she was like, what is wrong? And I was like, I, this is the, I was like, I hurt my knee when I was 10 and I'm 27. I was like, this is the first time in 17 years that I can remember my knee doesn't hurt like that I was like I was like man like that's huge right that's huge like I'm like I suddenly want to go run a 10k I want to squat all of a sudden right like you just have all this shit like open up in your head because even if for a moment like you're just like you're just like that's no longer a part of the decision because it's just not here anymore right well and man like you know the the thing that I would want to point out to this that um you know if somebody's listening they might not know this like like you and I would that um, Xanus is in Arizona, yeah. right? Like 
he's not in Kentucky. He's not in yeah. West Virginia with you. And it was not about something magical that somebody did to you yeah. that you were able to do this thing. It yeah. was simply setting up guardrails so that you could start to explore and find that, you know, what we've coined as power and movement, right? Like mm -hmm. this whole conversation of being able to discover this thing for yourself. So you fixed you under the guidance of a coach, which is where, you know, this whole spectrum of, of uh, you know, why, why does PT fit well with strength coaching? It's, they're the same thing. It's just done to what extreme or what degree um, yeah. that that's going to occur. I mean, they, they should look extremely similar, which is, is you know, you know, you can prescribe, you know, write out a program for somebody that's absolutely phenomenal and can get them amazingly strong. But if they don't squat, what's going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Squat, exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> and it's, and it's, and it's interesting because that's one of the things that I, that I, that I try to tell that like, I try to tell people that like, I've been lucky enough to kind of like help a couple coaches, like sort of get started into the, into the field. And like, people have come to me for advice and I'm like, I'm glad that people see me as like, uh, as somebody that can, like, I, I feel eternally like a student, which is good. I think people should, but like, I, I am, I feel really fortunate that some people have been like, Hey, I have questions about this. Where do you think I should start? What do you think about? And I'm like, okay, sure. I'll do this. Um, and the, always the thing I tell them above everything else. I'm like, dude, you, you have to understand how people move if you're going to coach and you just understand proper movement mechanics, you can apply it to anyone that you're looking at in a class and you will be able to better help them. I was like, if you don't like, it's that idea of like that, like I know this group always comes back to, it's like, don't coach a movement, coach them through coach them in movement. Right. It's like, yeah, the big, big M versus little M, you know, movement, yeah. not movements. Yeah. yeah. And it's uh, the example I always use because I, I've, it's primarily been in the CrossFit space and with CrossFit coaches has always just been like, dude, don't teach them how you want them to do a thruster. Teach them how they should do a thruster. Like teach them how they will efficiently complete this movement and safely, right? Um, and it's it's really, really, it's it's really interesting the type of like, uh, the type of effect that that has on people. Because you also, you go to gyms, you talk to people, you give people this advice and like, I've never heard that before. And I'm like, you know what, like not to like hate on people because I'm glad people want to coach and help. But it's like it's like that's a really big shame that you've never heard this before. And that's a, that's a really big shame that this has never been said to you because it's a very glaring, obvious thing. And it's also something that doesn't take a lot to fix. Right. Exactly. A lot of exactly. times, a lot of times getting people to move optimally. And like my experience is it's not usually a whole like I went through like a eight month, eight or nine month process of like rehab. Like a lot of times it's not that when people come to your class, it's just like, Hey, we need to tweak a couple things. We need to remember this for a few weeks. And I bet that'll feel better. And a few weeks later, if they do it, it feels better. I right. would, I would be willing to venture. Like I, I, I'm not the group coach. Like that is yeah. not where my skill set is. It's not, you know, I can get in front of a group of people and talk, but yeah. the idea of like a, a, you know, CrossFit class or something like that, that's just not my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would be willing to say that if, if you walk into like one of the things I, I think that I'm pretty good at is rapid assessment on yeah. spaces. And one of the things that I find really interesting is to walk into a new space, a new you know, a box or a gym or whatever. And pretty quickly you can pair out where somebody is going to have problems. Like yeah. what is going to be the issue coming out of this gym pretty consistently 
And um, you can, you can typically tear that down pretty fast, but like, man, just like what you were saying, like if you were in a class of 30 people and if every single one of them has the bar in the exact same position on their back and they all have like a toes out stance and they're all blowing their knees out over top and all this stuff, like uh, it says to me that there has been very little time given to the individual. And yes. it's definitely just been through this whole rhetoric of this is how we do this. This is how you squat the right way which I mean, like that takes in no consideration for individual variability. Like you're yeah. taller than me, you're bigger than me. You are going to inherently squat differently than what I'm going to. My injury history is going to dictate that I will squat differently than anybody else, you know, and yeah. maybe it'll look similar to somebody, but it certainly has its own challenges. And, you know, my, my capacity is going to be different. Yeah. And um, that, that, that to me is like one of those quick signs. So it, it's funny that you say that because it's not something that I would have, put into that same terminology, mm. but it's definitely an indicator. Like, you know, yeah. like, man, this just doesn't, doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right when I see this. Yeah. And, and like, that's, that's a huge thing that, that, you know, coaches definitely need to, if they care that they're going to take this time to really yeah. dive in with the individual. And, yeah. And that's like, it's it, the interesting, like, the, like dropping the phrase, like, if you care, Right. And it's like, I, number one, like I'm kind of an, I'm a little bit of like, I'm a little combative and I'm a little bit of an extremist with it, but it's just cause I love it. And it's just cause it's what I'm committed to. Um, but I'm also like not an asshole. So it's like, if I look at someone who's like a part-time coach and like, they understand that and they just want to help when they can, it's like, cool, man. Like, cause that's staying in your lane. It's right. But like the, the thing that I find is always like, number one, if you're here, you should give a shit. You should, you should care that you're here. It should, and it shouldn't just be punching a time card. Because like when you're helping people and playing around with people's like movement, their health, and like like you're you're playing around with part of their livelihood, right? Like you can't be like you can't be lax about that. You can't be lazy about that. Um, and it's it's really interesting because it's like, dude, you can still have a part time job and like you can still commit to it. And if you don't, just be willing to admit, like, be willing to go get the coach that is. Be willing to recommend yeah. somebody. Be like, hey, this is not my wheelhouse. This is like I know that nutrition's not my thing. Like nutrition, like I have my recommendations and I know it works for me. Nutrition is not the thing that I like pride myself on being like, oh yeah, do this. You'll be fine. Um, now, one of the, my coworker, Jocelyn, she's a force of nature with nutrition. So whenever somebody's like, what would you advise? I'm like, I'd advise you to go talk to Jocelyn. I was like, I was like, when you want to get it, like, I was like, I was like, that's what I advise. If you want to sprint coach or like, if you want a sprint coach, you can come talk to me. And I was like, and if you want to get real strong, you can talk to either one of us. And I was like, but if you want nutrition, you need to go see her. Um, and it's like, you have to be willing to like, and that's where I see a lot of coaches like kind of fuck it up. It's like, they're not willing to just sort of be like, Hey, not my pig, not my farm. Like, go, like, like go talk to this person. They're way, they're way more adept at that. It's like, it's that unwillingness to be like, I don't know. And it's like, dude, that's, that's, I think the, a, a strong, that shows a strong quality of a coach is when they're like, I don't know, but I'll know tomorrow. Yep. I'll, dude, I'll and that's well, 100%, man. Like that is one of those key factors that I look for whenever I talk to people. Like if, if, uh, if you all of a sudden have every answer to every question, that's yep. probably not the person that I want to talk to because yes. like, man, the, the smartest, most switched on people that I've ever met are not the ones that have all the answers, but they're yeah. willing to say, you know what? I'm not sure, but I have this person. Like I have this network. Yeah. Um, and, and man, like that, again, coming down to the block one network, why it's so cool that we have the resources we have within that. But um, 
you know, I think that in my realm, being a, a physical therapist, you know, owning a performance therapy business, this whole deal, um, I continue to refine and make my niche smaller. So like I keep cutting the margins down and in doing so, I make the product that we provide to the individual dramatically better, at least in my opinion. And I think yeah. in the opinion of my clients and I am willing to be like, uh, I, I had somebody earlier this week, they, they were in a motor vehicle accident, had a pretty severe concussion and they were like, Hey, I really want to come to you. I'm like, man, you can, and that's fine. That is not my wheelhouse. And I think you'd be better off to go across town. I sent them to another physical therapy business um, because I'm not necessarily the right guy in that scenario. Yep. And I think that when you, when you are willing to do that, it says that maybe you have a, a comfort level with what your skill set is mm -hmm. that other people don't necessarily have because they're threatened by others. Like yeah. I have, I'm not concerned about what's going on down the street, man. Like they, they, yeah. they can do good work and they can take care of people. So cool. Let's, let's work together. There's more than enough. Um, but there's definitely a level of threat and a level of discomfort that comes along with inexperience and lack of knowledge. And if I oh, say, yeah. I don't know, then you're going to want to go to somebody else and like, yeah, maybe that's the case and that's okay. Um, yeah, it's like, it's, it's okay if you to go Chris somewhere programmed. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, and it's like, it's, it's okay if you need to go somewhere else and it's okay if the place that you're at cannot offer you the service that you need. And it's okay if the coach you're talking to in front of you cannot offer you what you need right? Like, it, it's like, there's no shame in that. Like, so like, I'm, I love, like, I do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and I love it. But it's not, it's not, it's not wrong. If like, when someone walks into that gym, like, I want to learn how to box. And it's like, well, we're not a boxing gym, we're a Jiu Jitsu gym. It's like, well, can you teach me how to, it's like, can you teach me how to box? And it's like, I know the owner would be like, no, like, he's like, he's like you should go somewhere else to learn how to do that. Because that's not, that's not what I teach. Um, and it's, and it's really, it's really interesting because I've seen a lot of coaches be like, uh, no, yeah, you should just like, they just kind of like talk their way around it. And I'm like, dude, you don't know. And it's okay that you don't know. Like I am like, so I've programmed, I've done some programming for people that like do long distance races. Um, but it's still not the thing that I'm, that I, like is my niche. When someone comes to me, they're like, like, what would you think improved my race? And they tell me, and the, the people that have agreed to help are the ones where I'm like, I think you need to be a little bit stronger because it sounds like you just break down too much. Right. Yeah. But then when they need, like, I want to make sure that that's congruent with what they're getting ready for the task. And I reach out to people that know more about endurance for me. And I'm like, this is my plan. This is the layout. How, where do we need to insert their other train, like the other side of their training? Um, and it's like, there's no, there's no shame in that because I personally, I have a big emphasis on strength and performance as like, as like my niche, right? Like movement and strength are my, is are, are like what I would call my niche. Um, I don't give a fuck about my 10K time. So I have not invested as much time, but I care a lot about my deadlift and how I feel and how I move. So I haven't invested near as much time into endurance programming as I have like, just like pure strength and like pure strength and GPP programming, right? And it's like, dude, that's totally cool, right? And I, it's, I hate it when I see coaches that just like, they don't want to branch out and understand it. And it's like bringing all this sort of back together. It's like, but I think that no matter what kind of coach you are, understanding movement, even if it's outside of your niche, like understanding movement in general will make you better at outside of your niche, especially in a practical setting with someone in front of you, right? Watching someone run, cool. I don't, I don't have a great 5K time because I don't care, but I can watch someone run and when they come back and like, well, this hurts, I can be like, it's because you're doing this. 
this is your gait pattern. This is the problem with how you're moving your head. Like it's, it just, it, it simplifies so many things. And it also, like, like you said, like it makes, it provides a better product for the people that are trusting you with progress. Right. Because oh, if you get, because if you give them a bad product, they don't, they don't get, they don't see progress. Right. I know people that have had, that have had like, like lackluster and lazy coaches for years and they don't see any progress and they're weaker and their body composition is worse and they're just doing it because they're doing it. And I'm like, dude, go somewhere else if you want to see it, but you're not going to at this point. Like you're just not going to. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, if, um, if you are invested to that point, you as the client, you, you also have to ask those hard questions yes. for the coach. And if you get the same response over and over and over, it's time for you to say like time out now, like we're not, you know, I'm, I'm asking you the same question six ways and you're answering exactly the same every time. Like, um, to me, that's a red flag or at least a yellow flag to what's going on here. And we need to, um, consider why, why is it that like, is this really the best thing? Are there other solutions to this problem? And, you know, if I'm looking around me and everyone looks relatively the same, like if I want to be a really strong guy, I probably should be in a gym where there's really strong people. And if I don't see other people making progress or if I'm way mismatched for what I'm trying to do, um, you know, man, uh, you got to consider this stuff. Like, like you said, man, end of the day, if you can look at movement and understand the qualities behind performing a task and really be able to reverse engineer those, most things come out very similarly and we can break those things down. Like I work with people to play golf. It doesn't mean that that's necessarily my niche. Like I'm not a golfer. I'm not real active in that, but I understand the mechanic and I understand what has to happen in order to accomplish this thing. And you understand the demands, the demands of the task. Yeah, exactly. And so if we can break it down from the most fundamental now I'll find you like, man, if your hip isn't rotating, you can't follow through on this side and you don't extend. We can clean those things up. Here's how you're going to do it. We can build your capacity on this low end. Maybe you should go find a coach to work on your swing or your long drive or whatever it may be, you know, like being willing to diversify across that spectrum and and know where you're at, know your wheelhouse. Uh, Man, that's so, so foundational to being able to provide um, uh, really high quality care. And, And I would use that term across the spectrum, whether that's strength, whether that's PT, whatever it may be. Um, that, that, you know, we want to have a quality care to the individual so that when they're investing their time, that they're getting the most in return for that time that they're putting out there. Yeah. Um, and it's also, it's, it's like, you're also charging them, right? You're oh, yeah. asking for their time. They're, they're asking, you're asking for their time and their money. And I've always explained it to people. Like I've always thought about it in class. I've had sort of the, the inverse thought of like a lot of coaches that I've met is that clients are my boss. I am telling you, like you've come to me like for a service and I am providing that service that does not make me in charge of you. Right. It doesn't make me your dad. doesn't make me a cop. Like it doesn't like, it doesn't make me in charge of you. Like, and if you stop coming to class, if everybody canceled their gym membership tomorrow, I wouldn't have a job. I'm like, you're in charge, man. Like I'm here to make sure that like you feel good and like that you feel good and you move well and that you're making progress and that it works. Right. And that you're reaping the benefits of it. But that's like when people are like, man, can I row instead of run? I'm like, yeah, you can row instead of run because you pay a membership and I want you to enjoy what you're doing. Like, it's like, there is just like, is it okay if I don't do it that heavy today? And I'm like, I, sure. Like, 
but what do you want? Do you want to get stronger or do you just like want to take a day and not do it? And usually when you tell them that they're I'm like, cause you talk about wanting to be stronger. It's like, they want, they'll be like, okay, I'll do the weight. I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> but it's like, no dude, it's like, it's like people are coming to you for a service. Like it's not in like people, I think people initially, I think coaches sometimes think that people come to them like initially cause they already trust them. And it's like, dude, that dude was probably really hesitant to come in here and like talk to you and probably still isn't super sold on it. So then you get into the idea of like, you gain trust with people by doing it right and by giving a shit and by making it very, like I was sold on Xanus immediately because within the first two weeks, my pain was already better. It wasn't gone, but it was better, right? It didn't hurt as much. Um, so I was like, okay, this is working. It was tangible. I could see it, right? And I could feel it. Um, it's like coaches kind of just are like, no, just give it time. It'll work. Give it time. It'll work. It's like, yeah, you have to give it time. But like, you have to also, you have to reciprocate what those people are coming here and doing and the time they're putting in. Cause they are also taking time out of their day to come try to better themselves. They're not just trying to pay your bills. Right? Oh, 100%. And, and man, uh, when you, when you go through a process, so like, you know, Xanus and I have a unique um, opportunity for what we do this, this different maybe than, than the, the, um, than the strength coach or the CrossFit coach, because we have the ability to interact in somebody's movement system immediately. Yeah. And oftentimes, and like, I, I would imagine this is probably true for you as well. Like you went through a long history of this injury, this irritation and day in, day out, this has been a problem. And so now we have the opportunity to come in and say, Hey, why don't you try this thing? That's a, almost the same, but a little bit different. And, and kind of create this, this pathway for you to be able to start exploring movement. And you know, like there's this, this uh, uh, instantaneous, this hurts, this doesn't hurt. Or, you know, I expected this to, but it feels okay. Or, or whatever that may be that, um, you know, we get this, this immediate feedback that, that you don't always get in the, other, in the other realm working as a strength coach. You know, like the stuff that I've done on the strength side, hey, dude, to develop real strength, it takes time. Like that, that's yeah. just all there is to it. To rehab injuries, it takes time. Um, but we do get to impact that acute symptom in a much, much more um, prolific way, right? Oh, for sure. And it's, um, it's like, it's, it's interesting when, when people sort of come to you like, like, like with like a strength, like the strength emphasis that I have, like when people come and they're like, well, I need, I want to improve my deadlift. And I'm like, what do you, okay, what do you, what do you want? And they're like, they're like, well, I'd like to like, I'm going to do a meet in six weeks and I'd like to pull 500. And I'm like, okay, I assume you pull like 485 or 490 right now, like some, <laughs> right. Or if not 495 and they're like, I'm at about 350. And I'm like, cool. How much trend do you have? Like, I was like, I was like, I was like, it's just like, dude, it's just, it's not, it's, it's not going to happen. Right. Like you, and that's honestly like, that's, uh, and I know I've said, I've already talked about it, but like, that's a big correlation that I've talked to with people at jujitsu. There, there's a huge correlation between seeing people drop out of like jujitsu and grappling and martial arts in general, and also seeing people drop out of like strength training. Right. Because it, they're two of the things that you're going to go in, that thing's going to weigh down on you. But it's gonna take a it's gonna take some time for you to see progress, right? But you will eventually see progress. And it's just the same thing. Like I told that, told that member like a couple years ago. It's like, yeah, you hope it pays off. And you have to trust that it will if you keep doing it consistently. So it's like I have a buddy right now who would love to pull five, but he can like he only recently pulled like 405 for the first time. And I'm like, dude, that's awesome. I love the enthusiasm and I love that you have goals. I, I love that you have things that you want. 
but every time you come in here and it's deadlift day, don't think that we're going to like be like 10 pounds every single time. And it's like, no, there are going to be days you come in here from work, your dog shit tired. You're not going to like, that's your one rep max. You're not going to be able to pull like 375, right? Like you have to like be willing to step back and look at the big picture and take your time with it. Um, well, intent, intent really comes out in that too, right? Yeah. Like maybe you say your goal is a 500 pound deadlift, but your actions, exactly what you'd said before, like whenever that client is coming in to work with you and they're like, ah, you know, I don't want to pull heavy today. Like, yeah. um, well, okay. But you, this is what you said your goal is. Your actions actually reflect what your intent and what your, your real goals are. And I think that we will always fall into this, this thing, like, you know, you can, you can coach people, you can help people, but like motivation is one of those things that I, I think is, um, is just an overused term, right? Like we yes. do things because we want to get to a goal. And if you are not willing to do those things or you're not willing to go through the process to get there, that's not really what your goal is. And, and like you, you need to actually refocus and figure out what it is that you really want out of this process. Like, yeah. you know, you want a 500 pound deadlift or maybe you want to be in really good shape and look like a guy that, that pulled a 500 pound deadlift. Like what, what is your actual yeah. underlying goal here? Cause the training is going to be different. You know, yeah. like it's, it's not necessarily the same thing. Um, and it becomes very, very difficult over an extended period of time. So like you, you, you know, from the process of working through rehab on your injuries that, if, if it's based around motivation that that will wane, you know, as you're going, because you know, you're going to have days or weeks where it's like, man, this thing still hurts. Like, yeah. Okay. We know it still hurts, but look at your overall, you know, w what are you doing now that you weren't doing before? And that's yeah. one of those things that I try to reframe for people. I tend to, this might sound strange because I'm a pain science educator. Like I teach pain sciences for continuing education. And one of the first things that I kind of do with most people is like, I, I want to get away from the pain talk because quite frankly, once we get to a certain point, it's no longer valuable. And yeah. what I need to know is what is your function look like? What are you doing now that you weren't doing before? Yeah. And most of the time, as we build capacity for function and we clean up some of those other things, pain will come along with it. And then like, I say that in that way, because pain is such a dynamic problem for individuals. Like there are so many factors that build into the experience of pain that we could work forever in one scenario and never really impact all the rest of those factors. So like just cleaning up tissue health is not sufficient to resolve pain. It's your, your emotions, your thoughts, your beliefs surrounding that pain condition. So mm -hmm. if we can help you to improve your capacity and your function, now all of a sudden, you know, the, the experience around it will change. And so, you know, now I tell people like, okay, if you're going to have this pain, if you're going to live with this pain, wouldn't it be better to be able to do things with it? Like what, what can we do with that pain? What yeah. can you do despite having it? Yeah. And it's interesting. Cause like, I've heard people like say the same thing, like, well, it just hurts. And I'm like, they're like, and it's just going to, I'm like, cool. You can still do things to mitigate it. And why wouldn't you want to like, like even like, I'll say like, even uh, like having the chronic pain that I did, like there was still, there was not a moment that my knee didn't hurt where I was like, I want to do something about this. Right. It was like, like, and that's like, like you just said it perfectly. It's like, you might, like, might as well be able to do something with it if it's going to be there. Right. So.
it's going to be around forever. Like it might as well be a part. <laughs> might as well be like a part of you. Like become like come have some kind of negotiation with it. Like have some kind of management of it. Right. Well, it, it all comes down to, again, it, 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 going into that motivation conversation, right? Like mm. if this is, if this is the standard that you're going to have and you feel like your pain will never go away, what, what does that mean to you at this yeah. point in time? Like, are you willing to change that? Are you willing to go through the process to, to actually make these deep legitimate changes or do you just want to have something to complain about? Um, yeah. and, and that's fine. Like, man, if, if that's what you want, like, that's cool. Like that's, that's your, your, your life. And that's your, your, life. your experience. But like, if you want to make those changes, it, it takes, um, well beyond motivation. It takes mm -hmm. this deep commitment to the time and, and changing these underlying factors. Like, like you said, you had a knee injury when you were 10 and you were how old whenever you actually changed it? Like in your twenties, 20, 27. So, so 17 year. years, yeah. 17 years of dealing with an issue, you have 17 years of crap that you have piled on top of it. Yeah. So it, it takes time to start walking through those layers. And even that can be an emotionally painful experience. Yeah. Especially as you have identified classically with that thing. Now, whether you were cognizant of it or not, you had to change your entire communicative process with other people, right? Yeah. So you were no longer Chris that has knee pain. So I can't do these things. Like people know you as that. And when you walk into the gym and now you just go and start banging plates, um, there's going to be the question of like, Oh, what, what's up with your knee? Like, are you doing well? Like you have become an identified individual with that. And so now that entire environment changes for you. So you could have chosen to lean into that and just hang on this diagnosis that I'm this guy with a knee problem. Yeah. But you've chosen to, to change that whole dynamic and that whole conversation. Yeah, man. Like pain sucks. <laughs> it's, it sucks. Like that's the, <laughs> the simplest way to put it. It's like, it's like, I feel so bad for people when they come in and they like, and, and they're just like, something has just hurt for years. Right. And, and it's just like, it doesn't have to, or you can do something about it. Like you can help it out. Right. You can help it along. Um, and I think a lot of it, like a lot of it, especially in the space that I work in, a lot of it comes down to people. They're afraid of moving differently and moving in a way that like benefits them more because it, it feels like they're doing a disservice to the people around them. Mm -hmm. There's a, or like, or that they're not doing the exact same thing. So why are they even doing it? And I'm like, because you need to move because you're investing in your livelihood and like your health, right? Like that, that's why you do it. Um, but it's like, I have, I have a buddy who I love him. He's one of my best friends back in West Virginia. But I mean, every time I put up a squat video, he always messages me and is like, you don't squat low enough. And I'm like, yeah, I squat to the point that it doesn't hurt and that like I can move. I was like, what what is like what is what is this man? I was like, I was like, I love you, bud, but we talk about this every time. It's like I'm not gonna start squatting, like I'm not gonna start burying my ass to my ankles just because you message me. Um and it and it's just one of those things like people don't people aren't comfortable with like something that looks different, even if it fixes a problem for them. Right? They're like, well. It's like that thing I put up on Instagram the other day that you were kind enough to respond to. It's like, it's like the idea of like a standard, right? It's like my standard for a squat personally is not the same as my buddies because he can move in a way that I can't because number one, we're different people. And number two, we're just different people, right? Like, and it's like, 
and it, it's like I don't have an emotional attachment to how he's moving, and so many people do. And I think I think that affects the decision a lot for people. Uh, is they have they have an emotional attachment to what their classmates or what their friends are doing at training. So like I don't want to be the guy that's like 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 not doing it or like people think I'm like short like shorting shorting effort and stuff like that. I'm like no, nah, you always know, right? You always know if someone if someone's just like like bro lifting and just like want really wants to squat 405 so they quarter squat it right you can you can always tell especially if you know how to look for it like especially if you understand movement you can always tell um well, that's, like, this, man, it's that's not the, the same, same thing, thing right like the, the, the what you're saying there like the first thing i think of whenever you talk about that are the guys who are willing to go and comment on other people's videos yeah that like unsolicited have no business talking about anything right like um there's a um you know i work with a, a fair number of female lifters and there's a, a website and i i forget who it, what, it, what it is it's, it's something like you look like a man or something like that yeah it's an instagram page Dude, you look like you look hilarious. like a man it is so and it's, funny and heartbreaking it's heartbreaking it is because it's, it's so cool <laughs> to see like there's you know guys that'll post messages on this thing or like comment on videos and stuff like that. And they'll always kick their videos back up. And it's like, yeah, you so insecure about what you do that you yeah. feel it necessary to go and post an unsolicited comment to somebody who doesn't know you, you have nothing to do with them. You don't know their background. Like I, I, I can't think of a time when I will actively be willing to go and comment on anyone's, movement process without being asked and without being like, you know, will you give me input? Sure. I'll look at this thing and I'll give you some input, but I yes. need to know a lot around that. And like, I, I just don't understand that mentality of somebody who is willing to openly attack someone else, except for like, you have like the little man syndrome of like yeah. somebody else is doing something really cool. Like, why is that? someone else's success is not a reflection on you. Like their success is not your failure. Like why, why do you need this in your life? And like, there's no positive to this. Yeah. There's no, no time in which you're all of a sudden going to be like, Oh man, this guy's so cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh wow. You're right. Thanks dude on the internet. And it's like, and it, it's, and it's, um, it's a, it's a weird, it's a, it's a weird way that people have of like, I think it's a really fucked up version of trying to empower themselves. Right. Like yeah. they're just like, like, I'll feel better if I do this. And I'm like, cool, but you're a stranger on the internet. So I don't, and maybe this is me. Like, I don't care. Right. Like I don't, I don't care. Cause I've had people just come on like, like my Instagram and be like, Hey, this looks unsafe. Or like, Hey, you're going to blow your back out. I'm like, cool. I'll send a carrier pigeon when I give a shit. Like, it's <laughs> like, it's like, I don't, I don't care, man. Like, I don't know you, you have no impact on my life. You have no effect on my life. Like I, I don't, it doesn't matter. Um, it's inconsequential, but like, but it is, it's really like those types of people, like it's, re it's a really interesting thing. And I've even asked my buddy, cause he, do, he's not like, he's not necessarily malicious about it. He just, he likes giving me shit about it at this point. But I'm just like, why? Like, what do you get out of it? Like, what do you get out of just like sending me this every time? Cause also you understand the rehab I've gone through and you've watched me be in pain for years and I'm finally pain free. I'm squatting not as low as you want, but I'm squatting and it doesn't hurt and I'm happy and you're giving me hell about it. It's a really interesting dynamic. It's a really interesting, like, what are we doing here? Like, what are we doing here? And I've had, and like, dude, we have people like come into class and they get so 
so invested. I'm like, what did the other person do? Like, what did they squat low enough? Are you sure they counted their plates right? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm right here. It's like, yeah, yeah it was they right. did 800 pounds. I saw it. Yeah, it was crazy. It was wild. They weigh, they weigh 115 pounds. Um, amazing <laughs> yeah, dude, like it's just it's crazy to me but it's just that idea of just like people just people are insecure about what they're doing and I think I think a lot of it is I would love to say that a lot of it is that people understand that they should be doing more or like they understand their own shortcomings but I think I think people just like to assume that like well that's not possible because I can't do it if you know, man, like the, the saying that comes to mind for me, um, well, kind of two things. One, I know um, you're a West Side fan, right? Like you, you kind of follow some of the West Side stuff. Like I think it's Louis Simmons is the one who said like um, um, something like we don't care if you're not strong. Like strong people don't care if you're not strong. Right? Yeah, like something like that. Yeah. But like um, the, the other comment that I, I think of is uh, um, if, if you have time to complain, you're not working hard enough. Yeah. And like if you have time to comment into that, like you clearly have not been willing to put in the same amount of work or you're intimidated by the amount of work that is being done by somebody else. Yes. And that's a reflection on you directly. Like, yeah. I, you know, again, man, the success of others is not my failure. And, and um, I found that really difficult, um, you know, for my mindset in the upfront. So even whenever I went and took my block one, um, I had lifted for a couple of years at that point, but I definitely was not a strong guy. And like even just fighting through um, some of the extra garbage of, of my background and some of the things, you know, the injuries and, and whatnot. But like, I was still building capacity and building some competence and comfort underneath of a barbell. Yeah. And I was extremely intimidated at that point to even go in and like, I mean, I got to squat with these other dudes and I've got to, you know, gotta do these things. And like, um, I always measure myself up as not being good enough. Yeah. But at the same time, like now that I've done this for a long enough time and have some background to it, I will never be as strong as some of these dudes. And I respect them so much for the level of work that they put in. Um, but that doesn't take away from what I do know and yeah. like what, what I'm good at. And that's the thing that, that I don't know, man, if you build your entire identity around this one narrow thing, <laughs> you've got to be the strongest person in the room and, and this whole deal, like, um, I don't know. I don't know how you ever get around that. Like, how do you ever build capacity outside of that, that realm? If that's all you get, you know, but that's also, that's also, you always see those people stop. Right. Like right. you always see those people stop. Like they always quit. They, and like, they'll be, sometimes they get really strong and you're just like, what are you doing? And it's just like, well, I don't know. I'm like, yeah, I don't either, man. Like I, I don't, I don't get it. You're it's like, you're way stronger than me. And I know I'm a strong person. Like any, but even like, I look like it's like the, the deadlifts and shit and like the squats that like Surgison puts up. And I'm just like, dude, I'm large. I'm far, I'm a lot larger than you. And I am not deadlifting that. Like, like that bicep like, vein it, though, man, like that bicep yeah. vein, that's where it's at. I'm that's like, where it's at. <laughs> and it, I'm like, it's just, it's just like, dude, like there's some, there's like uh, there's just some, there's some people out there that just, they just bust their ass and it just, and it works. Right. Like, and it, and it, they get it done and it's like, but it does, like you said, like it doesn't take away from what you do. Like, I recently power cleaned 300 pounds for the first time. And I've wanted to do that for a couple of years, but Olympic lifts for me move really slowly. I, it doesn't matter. Like I finally got it. It does not matter that like later that week, a buddy of mine power cleaned 315. I didn't, I didn't feel weird about it. I was like, that's, that's awesome. Great. Like, good job. I'm proud of you. Um, it's, there's no, but like, then again, like a lot of times when you look at that kind of stuff, like there's a little bit of ego to it 
mm-hmm. as well, right? And it's like, I'm not an alpha male and I don't care to be, and I don't, I don't really have much of an ego and I don't, I don't have, and I'm not competitive. I don't, I don't have an emotional attachment to doing better than somebody else. Right. Like when somebody like when me and me and uh, my, me and the other coach Jocelyn will train together a couple of days a week and people often walk in and be like, who won? And in my head, I'm just like, I, no one, I don't care. (laughs) No one won. Like, cause we, cause we, cause we like did five rounds of some GPP work. Like it's, I'm not racing her. Like I'm just exercising. Like it's not like it's, it's training, it's exercise. It's making, it's making jujitsu better. It's making time with my family better. Like it's making, it's making my livelihood better. I'm healthier for it. Like I don't, I, that's the only, only part that's one of the, not the only, but it's one of the biggest things that I think that CrossFit pushed entirely too hard. Cause that's where I think it came from now for the general population is the idea of you're an athlete. You're not in my opinion. And we're competing, right? Like we're competing here, like race, there's a clock going like, and you're racing your classmates. It's like, dude, that no, what's that get you? It gets you emotionally invested in, a, in an arbitrary workout that's on the board and it ruins your Tuesday. Well, and if you're a new person walking in the door and you've got to modify every single movement because it's yep. like, well, it was 30 snatches for time, but you're going to do, uh, you know, med ball slams or yeah. I don't know, whatever. Like you have automatically alienated this individual from the group. And I, I and like, I, I say that in, a, in the capacity that, um, I think that, that CrossFit as the affiliate has done a really fantastic job. And like, I had a great experience, you know, my local, the local box that I started going to and, and kind of yeah. building some of this out of, you know, the, the, the coaches there, extremely intelligent, extremely switched on, know this stuff inside and out. And I think that for myself, as well as for a lot of people, that has a great entryway into what, you know, starting to discover your movement process, whatever that may be. Yeah. And uh, as you said, though, the inherent issue is whenever you get into things that are not well-managed, not well-coached, and you just create this really almost hostile environment to, yeah. to the new person coming in the door, whether that's intentional or not. And I, I would like to think that most of the time it's not. Yeah, and um, I, don't, I don't think it intimidating, is. Man. Yeah. It's an intimidating and, thing to walk into. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know that I, I don't know that I'd say that I, that I think it's intentional. Um, I think it's just it's, it's the aura that is around it, right? Like most people hear about CrossFit either from a friend or from seeing it on TV. And if you see it on TV, it's not a commercial; it's the game, right? Or it's a rerun of regionals or something. Um, like so, people come in and kind of it also attracts it also attracts former athletes because it gives you a chance to compete at something. Yep. So you end up having those personality types in your gyms, which is fine. Like I coach at two places where people are crazy about CrossFit, and I really like I owe CrossFit a lot. It, it, it's the entryway into the career that I have now. It was for me, like, but it is like it creates it creates so much stress for people, and it's like, dude, this is an arbitrary workout just on a day of the week, and we may never do this workout again. <laughs> right like because someone someone asked me today about the workout they're like so when we do this again and i'm like i can't guarantee that we'll ever do this workout again and they're like why i said because it's just it's a builder it's not a tester so i don't really care if you get better at this workout but like there we have test workouts that i care that you get better at and that you improve at and that we use because it's easier to keep track of you know five or six testing workouts that you use to test someone's gpp or like endurance or, or like aerobic base or whatever and then you use your lifts to test their strength 
Like that's a lot easier than keeping track of like, okay, we did this workout a year and 17 days ago. We need to retest it because we never did. And it's like, you don't really need to, right? It's not the point. That's not necessarily the point. Man, I know for myself, like one of the things that I was most fortunate about walking into that environment was number one, whenever by that point in time, by the time I got there, I was comfortable enough to know that my, my back was fairly solid at that point. And like some of the other issues that I have had, I I have knee issues too. Um, and I, you know, still do and still have some stuff that I have to deal with, but, um, I was comfortable enough at that point to know that I could lift. And I was really fortunate that when I went into that box setting that, um, the emphasis was strength first. And so it was very CrossFit football biased where it's like, you know, we work strength and then there's a Metcon component that is built in at the end of this thing that is there to, you know, get your heart rate up, kind of work these other pieces. And the coaches, again, extremely intelligent and were able to um, help to understand what the goal and intent was behind the workout. Yeah. And I think so much of that gets lost. It sounds like you guys do your own programming. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we write our own programming. We follow a very conjugate style programming. You lose so much if you pull some random program off the internet or you go buy one from some other box because unless you are switched on enough to be able to look at that program and know like, okay, this is what we're trying to do with this. Yeah. Unfortunately, there are a lot of coaches, general term there, that um, don't really know what the intent is. They know how to coach a movement, you know, but they don't understand the broad scope. Yeah. And when you start getting into that, then it's just, you know, throwing stuff against the wall, hoping something sticks and yeah, right. burn people to the ground every single day they're in the gym. Yeah. And like we, like we talked about earlier, like that is, that is not a way I, it's not a way, it's not a good way I think to honor people's commitment to trusting you with their progress. Right. Like I, I find, I find coaching to be a super humbling thing because someone has now come to you and been like, Hey, I want to like improve myself in whatever capacity they choose. I want to improve myself. And I think you can help me do it. Or like, I want to see if you can help me do it. It's like, that's a big responsibility that another human has just asked of you. Um, and I think like, like I take that stuff. That's, but that's one of the reasons I take it so seriously is because I find it, it, it evokes this sort of like humble emotional reaction from me. Where I'm like, it's meaningful, man. Like exactly what you said. And I think that, you know, your own background kind of leads to that as well. That at some point you have trusted someone in the same capacity and process. Mm -hmm. You know, it's different. Like I'm very much like you, like I'm not a competitive person. I'm really, I would never have considered myself an athlete. Like I just don't have an athletic background. You know, I've played sports, but I wasn't, I wasn't the competitive guy that would be a collegiate level player or something of that nature. And being that, you know, that's a different animal. Like if you have somebody who's fairly in fairly good shape, has played college sports and that kind of deal, this is a straight transition for them. They just walk into a gym space and they've already been exposed to a lot of this stuff. Yeah. If you're walking into it cold and have never been exposed to any of these things. That's, it's such a different emotional experience for you that you have stepped so far outside of your comfort zone to be able to be like, um, okay, I heard this thing is going to be useful. I'm, th- I'm demarking this day. This is my line in the sand that I'm going to make a personal change in myself. And it is a huge responsibility for a coach. And if yeah. they, if they shrug that off and just be like, okay, well, why don't you go stand in the corner and play with that ball instead of, you know, being able to find where they can fit within that community right off the bat. 
that, that's a, that's a huge, that's a huge mark for somebody, man. That's a, it's yeah. a big thing that you got to consider with anybody. Yeah. Well, man, I think we covered just about everything we were going to cover. <laughs> everything I've got listed. Everything. Uh, do you have? Uh, you have anything that we didn't hit? Like, I sort of, I sort of like, I sort of like to ask, like, sort of, what is like, if you had like a, uh, I don't know, what's sort of your message to people if you have one? Uh, you know what, man? You, like, you could sum it up. My big thing is is um, looking towards development of your potential and, and being willing to open that door to not where you're at, not defining yourself by an injury, but rather what is the potential that you could, you could uh, achieve or what is your goal you want to accomplish and not allowing yourself to be demarked by that. that yeah. Thing. Yeah. Nice, man. Awesome. Well, uh, best time of the podcast is selfless, uh, shameless plugs. So go ahead, plug yourself. What do you want? Where do people find you? What do you want people to know? Like easiest thing is, uh, is Instagram. So at move right PT and my website is move right PT.com. Um, we're getting ready to open our new facility here, um, in a few weeks. So man, I hopefully you'll take a road trip up and come and bang some plates to, uh, to celebrate opening the new facility. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. It's going to be a cool space. It's going to be really awesome, man. I'm excited about it. Nice. Cool, dude. Well, I appreciate having you on. That was fun. We'll have to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, man. Of course. See you, buddy.